part nineteen of andersonville diary by john l ransom this librivox recording is in the public domain part nineteen ex-prisoners and pensioners the following is an appeal to congress in behalf of the ex-prisoners of war issued by felix lebaum president of the national ex-prisoners of war association and i hope that the united efforts of every one of the survivors will be concentrated with an object in view which shall substantially benefit those who performed a most valuable service in putting down the rebellion suffering horrors and privations that cannot fully be described and for which privations and sufferings they have never been recognized in the existing pension laws appeal to congress it is a historical fact that in the early part of eighteen sixty four shortly after the battles of the wilderness certain high officials of the federal government decided that it was more economical to stop the exchange of prisoners of war entirely the policy of non-exchange was understood to be based on the following facts that a soldier counted for more in the confederate army then acting on the defensive that many of the andersonville prisoners were men whose term of service had already expired that all of them were disabled by starvation and exposure and unfit for further service while every confederate was able-bodied and in for the war so that an exchange would have been a gratuitous strengthening of the armies of the confederacy which at the same time would have prevented the prisoners held in the south from falling into the hands of sherman august fourteenth eighteen sixty four general grant telegraphed to general butler it is hard on our men held in southern prisons not to exchange them but it is humane to those left in the ranks to fight our battles if we now commence a system of exchange which liberates all prisoners taken we will have a fight on till the whole south is exterminated if we hold those captured they count for more than dead men in accordance with general grant's opinion general butler then wrote a letter in reply to general old's proposals of exchange in his famous lowell speech butler said in this letter these questions were argued justly i think not diplomatically but obtrusively and demonstratively not for the purpose of furthering an exchange of prisoners but for the purpose of preventing and stopping the exchange and furnishing a ground on which we could stand the men who languished at andersonville and other confederate prisons played in their sufferings and death an active part in the termination of the war this part was not so stirring as charging on guns or meeting in the clash of infantry lines but as the victims of a policy dictated by the emergency of a desperate condition of affairs their enforced long-continued hardships and sufferings made it possible for the union generals and their armies to decide the deplorable struggle so much sooner and to terminate the existence of the confederacy by the surrender at appomattox no soldier or seaman in this or any other country ever made such personal sacrifices or endured such hardships and privations as those who fell into the hands of the confederates during the late war the recital of their sufferings would be scarcely believed were they not corroborated by so large a number of unimpeachable witnesses on both sides 
colonel c t chandler's c s a report on andersonville dated august five eighteen sixty four in which he said it is difficult to describe the horrors of the prison which is a disgrace to civilization was endorsed by colonel r h chilton inspector-general c s a as follows the condition of the prisoners at andersonville is a reproach to us as a nation the sixty thousand graves filled by the poor victims of the several prisons tells a story that cannot be denied or misunderstood when we consider the hardships and privations to which these men were subjected the wonder is not that so many died but that any survived we submit it is hardly possible that any man who was subjected to the hardships and inhuman treatment of a confederate prison for even two or three months only could come out any other than permanently disabled statistics show that of those who were released nearly five per cent died before reaching home in a few instances there was a roll kept of thirty to fifty of those men who when released were able to travel home alone and it is now found that nearly three-fourths of the number have since died the role of the Andersonville Survivors Association shows that during the year 1880 the number of deaths averaged 16 and one-third per cent of the total membership, showing an increase of 5 per cent over the death rate of 1879. But few of the most fortunate of these survivors will live to see the age of 50, and probably within the next 10 years the last of them will have passed away congress has from time to time enacted laws most just and liberal or that were intended to be so toward the men who were disabled in the late war but a large majority of the prison survivors are excluded from a pension under these laws this comes partly from the unfriendly spirit in which the pension department has been administered for the last six years and partly from the peculiar circumstances surrounding their several cases many paroled prisoners on reaching the union lines were at once sent home on furlough without receiving any medical treatment the most of these were afterwards discharged under general order number seventy seven dated war department washington d c april twenty eighth eighteen sixty five because physically unfit for service and hence there is no official record whatever as to their disease if one of those men applies for a pension he is called upon to furnish the affidavit of some army surgeon who treated him after his release and prior to discharge showing that he then had the disease on which he now claims a pension for reasons stated this is impossible the next thing is a call to furnish an affidavit from some doctor who treated the man while at home on furlough or certainly immediately following his final discharge showing that he was then afflicted with identical disease on which pension is now claimed this is generally impossible for many reasons in most cases the released prisoner felt it was not medicine he wanted but the kindly nursing of mother or wife and nourishing food so no doctor was called at least for some months after reaching home 
in the instances where the doctor was called not infrequently he cannot now be found cannot swear that the soldier had any particular disease for the first six months after reaching home as he was a mere skeleton from starvation and it required months of careful nursing before he had vitality enough for a disease to manifest itself then again in many cases the poor victim has never suffered from any particular disease but rather from a combination of numerous ills the sequence of a wrecked constitution commonly termed by physicians general debility but the commissioner refuses to grant a pension on disease save where the proof is clear and positive of the contracting of a particular disease while in the service of its existence at date of final discharge and of its continuous existence from year to year for each and every year to present date in most cases it is impossible for a prison survivor to furnish any such proof and hence his application is promptly rejected besides these there are hundreds of other obstacles in the way of the surviving prisoner of war who applies for a pension one thing is he is called upon to prove by comrades who were in prison with him the origin and nature of his disease and his condition prior to and at the time of his release this is generally impossible as he was likely to have but few comrades in prison with whom he was on intimate terms and these if not now dead cannot be found they are men without sufficient knowledge of anatomy and physiology and not one out of a hundred could conscientiously swear to the origin and diagnosis of the applicant's disease is it not ridiculous for the government to insist upon such preposterous evidence which if produced in due form is a rule drawn up by the applicant's physician and sworn to by the witness cum grano salis and in most cases amounts to perjury for charity's sake hence it will be seen the difficulty surrounding the prison survivor who is disabled and compelled to apply for a pension are so numerous and insurmountable as to shut out a very large majority of the most needy and deserving cases from the benefits of the general pension laws entirely we claim therefore that as an act of equal justice to these men as compared with other soldiers there ought to be a law passed admitting them to pensions on record or other proof of confinement in a confederate prison for a prescribed length of time such as bill four four nine five introduced by the hon j warren keifer m c of ohio provides for if this bill is to benefit these poor sufferers any it must be passed speedily as those who yet remain will at best survive but a few years longer this measure is not asked as a pecuniary compensation for the personal losses these men have sustained as silver and gold cannot be weighed as the price for untold sufferings but it is asked that they may be partly relieved from abject want and their sufferings alleviated to some extent by providing them with the necessaries of life for nearly all of them are extremely poor consequent on the wreck of their physical and mental powers End of part nineteen